Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, guys? Brendan Boylan here, host of the Houdat Discussion. You can also find all of my other New Orleans Saints work over at the Saints News Network on SI.com. You can... Go ahead and type it in your search bar. It's www.si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. Uh, make sure you follow us for all of your Saints news this season. John Hendricks, Bob Rose, Kyle T. Mosley, and myself. We're excited for what is to be a very exciting 2021 NFL season. The Saints certainly proved that to all of us with that monstrous Week 1 victory over the Green Bay Packers by the final score of 38-3. Uh, but today we want to preview Week 2 of the NFL season. The New Orleans Saints are going to come to my neck of the woods. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, they're going to take on the Carolina Panthers. We also have a few updates and a few little bits and pieces of news. The Saints are reuniting uh, with a former member of the team. Uh, have some COVID concerns, and of course, that week two preview all coming up. But first, let's hit the intro. All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Who Dat? Say they all right, guys, so a few nuggets for you before we dive into my things to watch, score predictions, etc. Uh, for Week 2 against the Carolina Panthers. Let's start with the good news first. The Saints reuniting with a familiar face. Yes, the Saints have signed former wide receiver Kenny Stills to the team's practice squad. There is the expectation that he will be eventually elevated to the 53-man roster, and this was a guy that I had my eyes set on early in free agency as a guy that would be a really good fit for what the New Orleans Saints want to do. Obviously, that down-the-field speed might not be where it was uh, in Stills' early years in New Orleans, but especially for how the field's going to stretch out a little bit more with the arm strength of Jameis Winston uh, and some of that familiarity that Stills has with Sean Payton and his system, I think a lot of it made sense. That uh, reported on Monday by NFL Network that Stills was going to join the team's practice squad. They hosted a few receivers on Monday following their victory in Green Bay, just trying to get some depth there. I mean, that's that's an issue we've talked about all offseason prior to the Michael Thomas injury, that the Saints didn't have a lot of depth and a lot of veterans at the wide receiver position. And uh, yes, you had Deontay Harris with that incredible 55-yard touchdown, just throwing on the afterburners and showing off that marvelous speed um, that he possesses and what makes him such a skilled return man and so dangerous in open space. You have Marquez Callaway, who had a phenomenal, I mean phenomenal preseason, grading out as pro football focuses, highest-rated offensive player at over 95 uh, as his PFF grade. 
but he's going to start drawing a lot of attention because of the good preseason, because he is the Saints' number one corner. He's going to draw the opposing team's best defensive back. So the Saints just trying to find some ways to get some other guys involved, and uh, Kenny Stills a familiar face and a guy that could very well um, fit this New Orleans Saints team. He's 29 years old. Uh, remember, the New Orleans Saints drafted him back in the fifth round in the 2013 NFL draft, only spent two seasons uh, in New Orleans, but remember that rookie year had five touchdowns, 640 plus uh, receiving yards, and had a reception in 15 of the 16 regular season games. And, and then after that really good rookie season, you saw Stills' role just grow and he blossomed in 2014, leading the team in receiving yards with 931, and again, registered a catch in 15 of those 16 contests. Um, but that 2014 still marks Stills' career highs in receptions and yardage. Stills was traded to Miami early in the 2015 offseason. They got back uh, Ellerby, the linebacker, and then a third-round draft choice that was used eventually on P.J. Williams, who's been with the team for quite a while. And then Stills had a couple different pit stops uh, since then, he was in Miami, the team New Orleans traded him to. He had a stint with the Texans and then was a, was a free agent. And, and like I said, a guy that I had my eyes out on, I was a little surprised to see Stills uh, still a free agent going into week one of the regular season. But he was flat out released by the Texans. And that's one thing that I think I like to at least remind all fans is there is a reason someone gets cut. There's a reason someone stays in free agency, you know, this isn't this isn't like Madden where we can just add and drop guys left and right for no apparent reason or just because or or what have you. This is a situation where the NFL is a business, um, and these scouts, these GMs, these front office guys, they see things that fans don't see. They see things that even we in the media don't see. And though Kenny Stills on paper. Seems like a guy that could still certainly help a team. I mean, in 2020, he finished uh, with 51 receptions for 705 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, that's still an effective and efficient NFL receiver, but obviously there was things that, like I said, fans don't see, we in the media don't see, that the front offices see, and that's the reason that Stills was available. Uh, but he provides another deep threat. He provides some veteran leadership for a group that, could certainly use it. I mean, you look at the active roster for New Orleans, and you have two receivers that have played in the league a while, one being Ty Montgomery. He was with the team last year. But remember, last year for Ty, he was really more of a running back than he was a receiver, makes that transition back to being a full-time receiver. And then you have Chris Hogan, who bounced around, and before he signed with New Orleans, what was he doing? He was playing in a, a major league lacrosse league. Uh, so at least with Kenny Stills, you bring some more veteran leadership, a guy that knows the system, and a guy that could pose a, a threat downfield with, with a strong arm, Jameis Winston. So I'm certainly excited for Kenny Stills to return to New Orleans and see what he can do. But again, uh, as of right now, he's on the practice squad, eventually expected to come up and, and be a part of the 53-man roster. Remember, with the rules from last year rolling over this year, the Saints can elevate however many practice squad players up to the active roster before a game. And I don't know if that's going to be this week for Kenny Stills. It might be next week. But I would certainly expect Kenny Stills to 
be on the active roster and be a guy that contributes to the Saints moving forward. Um, by the time you're listening to this on Friday, I can confirm that Stills did practice with the team on Thursday. And that, I believe, was his first practice since rejoining the team. Now we have a couple couple issues of bad news. I wanted to hit you with the positives first. Um, some of the bad news, eight confirmed COVID cases for the New Orleans Saints. Six of those offensive coaches, a uh, nutritionist, and Michael Thomas, the lone player that tested positive for COVID-19. So the Saints without six offensive coaches testing positive for COVID-19. As of right now, it's head coach Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, Ronald Curry, and Zach Streif. Those are the only four um, offensive-minded coaches, if you will, that have not tested positive. And Coach Payton makes a a funny remark, and and for the people that know me personally, they know how much I enjoy uh, soccer or football as well. Um, as the NFL, the NBA, so many different sports that, that I just love and enjoy. Um, Peyton said it's like Ted Lasso, uh, the hit show on Apple TV. Uh, he says the rest are up in their hotel rooms doing the best they can with preparation. and So much so that former left tackle uh, Jermon Bushrod is actually serving as the quote-unquote interim tight end coach for the New Orleans Saints. So a lot of questions in the air to what coaches will be available on Sunday, what kind of role they will have. Um, But as of right now, the Saints working with just four offensive-minded coaches, really just three offensive coaches and head coach Sean Payton uh, going into this week. So we'll have to see how the game plans uh, are and how they adjust. But at the end of the day, let's remember that these players, they're professionals. Yes, they need direction. Yes, they need coaching. But um, these guys are expected to to lace them up and suit up every Sunday um, and do their job because, as many coaches say, once the guys are out there, the coaches are just there to put them in the best positions possible. Once they're out there, it's all on the players, and this is going to be a situation where uh, the guys, yes, once they get out there, it's all on them, but it's going to be even more on them to prepare um, and put themselves in the best positions uh, because you don't have the coaching staff there to necessarily uh, be there and help you as much as normal. Uh, the other bad news, but I say bad news, but Lattimore was in practice on Thursday. Lattimore undergoes thumb surgery. Uh, if you guys recall, Lattimore late to come out and join the team in the second half. The Saints actually played a defensive series or two without Marshawn Lattimore. One of those resulting in an interception. I think both actually, the first two series of the second half. Uh, resulting in interceptions, one by Paulson Debo uh, and one by Marcus Williams. And then Lattimore returned with a cast on his hand. Uh, he underwent some thumb surgery, returned to practice on Thursday, limited basis. Um, and I would imagine he will try to give it a go this Sunday. But, and they made a good point on the Fox broadcast, even on Sunday, when you do have one hand wrapped up that way, yes, you're able to to punch the ball away, knock the ball away, but it becomes a lot harder to intercept the ball, and that does have some disadvantages because you might have uh, a play where the ball's thrown right at Lattimore, and he's going to have a lot more difficult of a time trying to catch that football with a cast on. But Lattimore undergoes surgery, looks like everything was successful, returned to camp. Obviously, the bigger concern is going to be the, the eight 
members of the Saints that tested positive. As Again, it was six coaches all on the offensive side of the ball, one nutritionist, and then Michael Thomas tested positive. Thomas obviously out uh, as he begins the season on the physically unable to perform list. And that'll put him out until at least week six. Week six is the Saints' bye week, so should be set to return uh, week seven for the New Orleans Saints. Well, before we dive into my keys to victory against the Carolina Panthers, my things to watch, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, so we got all of the news out of the way regarding the New Orleans Saints uh, over the last few days since the last time I spoke to you guys. That podcast dropped on Tuesday, a recap of week one. So over the last few days, had a couple big pieces of news. Glad we got those all knocked out. So let's go ahead and shift our focus to Sunday, 1 o'clock Eastern time, 12 o'clock Central. Uh, The Saints match up in Charlotte, North Carolina, against the Carolina Panthers, and it's going to be an exciting one, right? You have a divisional matchup early in the season. Both teams 1-0. It's one of, I believe, three matchups uh, against with two teams that are undefeated after week number one. And let's be honest, the Saints may be the most impressive win across the NFL in week one. The Panthers struggled a little bit in the second half, and Though the score was 19-14, to 14, I don't think the score fully reflects how dominant they were against the New York Jets. But uh, it's a new era in Carolina with Sam Darnold as they traded away a Saints fan favorite in Teddy Bridgewater. He was sent to Denver uh, for a sixth-round pick in the offseason. Sam Darnold, the former Jets first-round selection, he has the reins, the keys to the kingdom, if you will. For the Carolina Panthers, he he does link up with an old friend in Robbie Anderson, a guy that I really wanted the Saints to go after uh, two off-seasons ago. Instead, the Saints got Emmanuel Sanders. That ended up working out very well, but Robbie Anderson actually caught a touchdown pass this past week from Sam Darnold on a deep ball. It was his 10th touchdown of over 30 yards, uh, the most, or second most rather, in the league. Uh, since he entered the league. So Robbie Anderson, a big, deep threat, rekindling with a, with a familiar friend in Sam Darnold. But listen, this is a completely different Panthers team than last season, and I've been open and vocal about how I felt that Teddy Bridgewater got the short end of the stick because he played 13 games last season 
without Christian McCaffrey, who is one of the best running backs in all of football. And how about the running back matchup that we have between Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey? Since those guys entered the league in 2017, it is actually, the list goes, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey for total yards uh, from scrimmage. And remember, Kamara and McCaffrey both missing time uh, over the years. Kamara in 2019 uh, missing some games because of injury and playing through uh, an MCL tear. And then you had McCaffrey, who, who missed majority of last season, 13 games for the Carolina Panthers. So if those guys were both healthy, you're probably seeing them one and two on this list. They're all pretty close, those three in Elliott, Kamara, and McCaffrey. So a great running back matchup in we have previews of the running game and, and the passing game over at uh, Saints News, si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. Some great stuff from Bob Rose. We have a first look uh, analysis from our beat writer, John Hendricks. But I want to talk to you guys about three things to watch and my three keys to victory. Uh, my first thing to watch is, is certainly what I was just talking about, that running back matchup with Kamara and McCaffrey. Ha- have we ever seen a draft where you had two guys selected uh, into the same division that were such similar players uh, with some just some incredible gifts. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, the fourth player in NFL history to go 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards uh, in the same season. I mean, Roger Craig was the first to do that in the 80s with the San Francisco 49ers, and this is a different tangent, but let's put Roger Craig in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that's going to be a a different tangent for a different day, but, I mean, McCaffrey just showing how versatile, and and he really carried the Panthers team uh, in 2019 uh, before he he had a 2020 that was filled with injury. Uh, But just an incredible talent, a guy that was picked in the top 10. There were some rumors Back in 2017, the Saints were looking to move up in the draft and potentially take Christian McCaffrey. They end up moving back up in the draft in the third round to take Alvin Kamara. And I'd say that worked out pretty well. Kamara winning the 2017 Offensive Rookie of the Year, four-time Pro Bowler. I mean, honestly, at this rate, both those both these guys, McCaffrey and Kamara, more than likely going to end up in Canton. I'll knock on wood, but they, they, they've had a terrific start to their NFL careers, and like I said, both those guys are going to be focal points of the offense on Sunday because they're not just runners. They're both excellent in the passing game. Uh, They're both going to be terrific outlets for their respected quarterbacks. Remember, both quarterbacks in this matchup, too, making uh, just their second starts with their new teams in Jameis Winston and Sam Darnold, both high draft picks in their respected draft classes, both getting a second chance in the NFL with a new team. So there's a lot of similarities offensively. That's my first thing to watch, just uh, how both these running backs set the tone offensively uh, for this game and how creative the play calling gets because you're able to move these pieces around. It's going to be fun to watch, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch for years to come, just seeing how Kamara McCaffrey uh, match up when they're playing against each other and how similar the game plans are. My second thing to watch is going to be on the defensive side of the ball for the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Panthers did a really good job of getting pressure on a young quarterback in Zach Wilson, making his NFL debut on the road. That's never easy, right? But when you go back and you watch the tape, 
the Panthers had some trouble, particularly with Corey Davis, who joined the New York Jets in the offseason. His ability to stretch the field, get downfield, there was one particular play in the first half. Wilson Wilson threw a ball deep downfield, and I, I couldn't quite tell if it was Wilson anticipating Davis to, to go over the other shoulder or if it was just a little underthrown or offthrown and Davis had to make the adjustment and couldn't bring it up, uh, the grab that is. But right from the jump, you could see that the Panthers were struggling with that vertical field threat, and especially when Wilson can get out of the pocket uh, and buy some extra time. I mean, that's what made him so talented and so special at BYU and the reason he was the number two overall selection in this last April draft. But I'm definitely watching to see how Deontay Harris uh, and how Jameis Winston attack this defense that struggled last week in defending the long ball. Because for the first time in a while, and there was a stat that came up uh, in Saints Twitter, and I know lots of you saw it, was that well, Jameis Winston had, a, had that touchdown pass to Harris against the Packers in Week 1 that traveled 50 air yards and how Breeze had, had never done that. In his, uh, in his Saints career with over 9,000 passing attempts. And while that stat might not have been recorded during Drew's time, at least early in New Orleans, I think anybody that's watched the Saints from 2006 on, uh, since Drew uh, first put on the black and gold, can say, no, there were definitely some, some throws where the ball traveled 50 air yards because I think a lot of people forgot, but... Drew could rip that thing, and especially those those hidden years, at least I call them the hidden years, the lost years, 2012 through 2016, I mean, look at some of those throws he made to Brandon Cooks, brought up Kenny Stills, uh, there's one in my mind against the Bears to Devery Henderson, I don't remember what year that was, but man, Drew definitely has some throws that went over 50 yards. But back, back to the normal topic, uh, I mean, Jameis brings a whole different element, a whole different layer uh, to this playbook and this offense, one that uh, probably needed to be dusted off this offseason. Hey, you know, it's been sitting back there, but Sean Payton gets to, to dust it off and reopen it for the first time in a few years, knowing that, hey, we can push the ball downfield a little bit. So how does Sean Payton and Jameis Winston attack this defense that showed a little bit of weakness on the deep ball, especially to a, to a young quarterback. And you have a little bit of a more experienced quarterback with Jameis Winston. How does he move up in the pocket uh, to buy more time, create uh, create an extra second, not get knocked off his spot, and, and just deliver a beautiful deep ball? Because we all know that, that Jameis Winston can. So that's my second thing to watch, is how, does, how do the Saints attack this defense that clearly struggled covering the deep ball last week? And, and my third thing to watch is how dominant can the Saints' defense be uh, in back-to-back weeks? Because I wrote it in a piece that I, I don't think any of us projected the Saints' defense to be quite th- that good in week number one. The offensive hype was, was definitely real. That was in my takeaway article. Uh, on Saints News Network and on that my last podcast here with the Houdat discussion was it was just it, they lived up to all the offseason hype and I don't know if I took that lightly but they were really good 
again, going back and watching the tape, and I said it on the last podcast, that Quan Alexander was fantastic, you know, eight months removed from an Achilles tear, but there's one particular play, and it was in the first half, it was third down, and it was a, a double crossing route, and you could see Quan Alexander gets caught up in some traffic and makes the sideline the sideline run to stop Aaron Jones short of a first down. And you're like, wow, that's just an incredible football play. Like, wow. And then you go, wait a minute. That guy tore his Achilles eight months ago. Like, there's no way he, there's no way. There's no way he should be doing that. And, and Quan played great. I mean, I, I highlighted Paulson Adebo for stepping up and playing great. The pass rush was great. But remember, the Saints have quite a few guys on the injury report as well. Like I said, by the time you guys are hearing this on, on Friday, uh, looking at Thursday's injury report, you have Quan Alexander, who didn't practice, Marcus Davenport, uh, Passanio didn't practice, Eric McCoy, Pete Warner, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Chase Hansen, and then you had P.J. Williams and Lattimore, who were both limited. So there's some questions to who's going to be available for the Saints uh, this week. But how does the defense step up and respond to what was an excellent, and when I say excellent, I mean truly excellent, a performance in week number one against the Packers. I mean, I think I think it starts up front. Have to put some pressure on Darnold. Uh, and, and then I mentioned at the top, you have two fantastic running backs in this game in Kamara McCaffrey. And if Quan doesn't give it a go, do you... You know, who, who who covers Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield? Is it going to be DeMario? Is it going to be Quan? Is it going to be um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce? Who's it going to be? Uh, and, and how do you make Darnold in this offense uncomfortable? I, I think that's my third thing to watch because how many times have we seen it in the past, not just with the Saints, but just football in general, where a team, either offensively or defensively, comes out and has a stellar, just absolutely stellar performance, and then they're flat the next week. So my thing to watch is, can the Saints get off to a hot start defensively, get off the field quick, put them, put their offense in good uh, positions, win the field position battle? Um, can the Saints not start flat defensively in week number two? So now we move into my keys to victory. <laughs> opposed to my three things to watch. And my first key to victory is going to be getting receivers involved. You look back to week one against the Green Bay Packers, and Marquez Callaway pretty quiet in that game. One catch for 14 yards, but the Saints had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys with a reception. Now... Only one, two, three, four, if you count Montgomery as a receiver, which I guess, as I said earlier, he's made that transition back. Only four of them receivers. That was Harris, Callaway, Hogan, and Montgomery. And three of those guys only had one catch. Callaway, one catch for 14. Chris Hogan, one catch, 10 yards, had the touchdown. And then one catch uh, for Ty Montgomery for five yards. So how do the Saints get other receivers involved? That's going to be a key to victory. Because you know a lot of the defensive attention is going to go on Alvin Kamara, just like it did last week. 
and the Packers did a great job of holding Kamara in check in terms of the passing game. Kamara only had three receptions for eight yards, did have 83 yards on the ground with an average of four, uh, almost four and a half yards per carry. But how do the Saints get these other receivers involved? They did a good job using the tight ends. Six receptions between Jawan Johnson and Adam Troutman. Troutman led the team in targets with six. Uh, but the, you, you, look at the, you look at the Panthers' defense, and the linebacking spot is actually pretty good. I know a lot of people think, oh, well, Luke Keekley, and, and how do you recover from that? And it's hard. I mean... Luke Kuechly is one of the smartest linebackers, and I think Drew Brees even called him the smartest linebacker he's ever played against. Uh, but Shaq Thompson, super athletic. Uh, and then you look at, at the edge guys for for the Panthers, guys that came in as, as outside linebackers and, and now have their hand in the dirt, and you look at uh, Hassan Reddick, who just came over, uh, had a double-digit sack season last year, and, and you have a guy like uh, Brian Burns, who's just phenomenal. I mean, you know there's going to be pressure on Jameis Winston. So how do you get other receivers involved? How do you get the ball out quick? Um, and, and how do you instill some confidence in a really young group? I mean, that's been the thing, right? They're so young. Harris, um, yeah, he's been in the system for a couple years now. He's in his third season with the Saints, but really didn't get a full season at receiver last year. This is the first time we're really seeing him be a potential full-time receiver. Marquez Callaway, yes, impressive his rookie year but didn't even crack 300 yards. Uh, I think only had 21, 22 receptions his rookie season. Still young receiver in the league. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Chris Hogan was playing lacrosse before he joined New Orleans. Then you have Ty Montgomery, who's just making that transition back to receiver. So I know Kenny Stills is going to help. I don't know if Kenny Stills is going to be a real option uh, against Carolina, but how can the Saints get more receivers involved in the passing attack, and how smart are they? Um, with the tight ends especially, like I said, because Kamara's going to get a ton of defensive attention. So that's my first key to victory. Get receivers involved early and often. Uh, remember, Jameis Winston only attempted 20 passes last week, and uh, anytime that Winston only attempts 20 passes, the Saints win by 35. I mean, phew, that's like a one-in-a-million type of a thing. That's not going to be a week-to-week thing, uh, more than likely. So get some guys involved early. Get Jameis in a rhythm. Get those receivers in a rhythm. Uh and just keep it rolling. Second key to victory is going to be contain Christian McCaffrey. Now remember, in the last podcast, I talked about how the Saints made Green Bay one-dimensional by taking Aaron Jones out of the game. I think it's really easy to point and just say, well, just mimic that. Well, I thought it was going to be hard enough to stop Aaron Jones. The Saints did a great job with that. Jones only had nine rushing yards. Uh, and it certainly hurt my fantasy team last week that, that Jones only had uh, nine rushing yards and 13 receiving yards. But it's it's hard to do that once with a running back of that caliber. It's really hard to do that back-to-back weeks with a guy who I think is a better running back in Christian McCaffrey. But I do think it's going to be containing. Not stopping McCaffrey because you're not going to be able to stop him. Let's contain him a little bit. And let's force the ball into Sam Darnold's hands a little bit more. And it sounds easy, right? It sounds easy to just to say, like, well, you know, stop McCaffrey and, and make Sam Darnold uh, uncomfortable and put him in positions at third and long. Yeah, it sounds really easy, and it's it's almost like a no-dub. And then, like, that's that's how you win football games, put guys in, in third and long. Yeah, I get it. Watch football a long time. I understand that. But 
especially in this game, taking McCaffrey away as an outlet for Darnold is going to be super important. Make sure you stop the run and don't let McCaffrey get out in open space and create just huge chunk plays. But containing him, especially in the passing attack, don't allow McCaffrey to be a true outlet for Darnold or contain that to enforce Darnold to look down the field. I mean, you have an excellent pass rush. We know what Cameron Jordan can be for the New Orleans Saints. We know when Davenport's a go um, and not not injured. I feel like he's just been an injury-prone guy since he entered the league. He's got he's got everything you want in a defensive end. And Carl Granderson, who we haven't really talked about, even in that week one victory. I mean, Granderson's had a great offseason. He's shown, even the last time the Saints traveled to Carolina to take on the Panthers, late in the season last year, the last regular season home, regular season game, rather. He showed what he could do, picked up a sack on Teddy Bridgewater, or and, and P.J. Walker. But, that's going to be a huge thing, take McCaffrey away, trust those defensive ends, trust that interior, the defensive line that's, you know, we thought that was going to be a big issue as well, at least I did, not having Anya Mata, but they, they showed out and they played really well uh, in week one, I think, I think I, I feel like a broken record, everyone played well in week one, but if you can make sure McCaffrey's not an outlet, play after play after play, and you can force uh, Darnold to be uncomfortable and trust that defensive line to get there um, and put some pressure on him. I don't see the Panthers going out and being a team that's going to put up 21-plus on you if you're able to do that. And I've said it for years and years and years. With Sean Payton's offense, if a Saints defense can hold a team under 20 points, I really like their chances of winning a football game because I think with the Payton offense and how many weapons the Saints have had over five years, I can rely on them to score 20, 21 points. And my third and final key to victory, Tony Jones Jr. What? Yeah, I know. I know. But I just talked about in, in the opening... Um, opening one of my keys to victory, and that was getting receivers involved. Because you know the game plan is going to be for Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. It's also going to be for Alvin Kamara on the ground. I mean, let's face it, Kamara had 23 touches uh, in Week 1 and could certainly be a guy that averages somewhere around 25 touches a game. But look at what Tony Jones Jr. did. 11 carries, 50 yards. Yeah... That's nothing super impressive that jumps out at the screen at you. For my fantasy football players, eh, that's not even really good enough to be a flex option. Let's be honest. And I even said, I've even said, I don't, I don't think, I think there's a lot of hype around Tony Jones as a, as a fantasy option. I was like, I just don't see it right now, especially with with Kamara and the touches that he's going to get. But I think the key to victory is going to be Tony Jones. And what does he do with those carries? And what does he do with carries that could be very important in the game? Now, last week didn't see too many situations where he had to carry the ball in really important situations. A lot of those carries came late in the game when the game was in hand. But as his role continues to grow as a second-year player, and really it's almost like a rookie season 
for Tony Jones. He was only active for one game last year. It was the Week 17 victory in Carolina, and he only got three carries. So this really is, though, it's a second year in the NFL. He's not considered a rookie. It's his first year with meaningful snaps and his first year off the practice squad, full year off the practice squad. So as he continues to grow and mature into this role as the number two running back, which a lot of people, lots of people did not see happening, I think Latavius Murray was the biggest surprise cut of the offseason. As Jones' role continues to grow, he's going to be trusted with more carries and more snaps in meaningful situations. And this could be a game, because it doesn't matter if the Panthers are good or bad. It doesn't matter if the Falcons are good or bad. It doesn't matter if the Buccaneers are good or bad. Anytime you play a divisional opponent, it's going to be a difficult matchup. I mean, these teams see each other twice a year, every year. You know a lot about each other, even when there's new coaches, even when there's some different personnel. You know a lot about what these teams like to do. So, if the game plan for the Panthers is to take Alvin Kamara away as much as possible, put pressure on Jameis to to make some plays and maybe put some pressure on Jameis to be frustrated and force some tight passes. You're also going to force the Saints to try to hand the ball to a guy with not a lot of experience if you're taking Kamara out of the game. So how does Tony Jones Jr. respond to that? And is he capable of being a guy that averages four, five yards a carry for you throughout the course of a divisional matchup? Because if he can, it's going to be a change of pace. It's going to keep... Uh, the Panthers on the field for long stretches, just like the Packers. Get some guys with their hands on their hips, hands on their knees, just being tired. Remember, the Saints had two 15-yard, 15-play rather, 15-play drives resulting in touchdowns against the Packers. I'm not saying they're going to go do that again. But you can see when you wear a defense down and you're not picking up these huge chunk plays, but it's rather four yards here, five yards here three yards here, that you can really control possession and you can control what you want to do offensively. And and the more that Tony Jones Jr. grows, the more that the New Orleans Saints are able to control time of possession, control the ball, and ultimately have a defense on their heels so much that you're able to really pick any play in the playbook. It's going to open up play action. It's going to open up shot plays. And it's going to make the New Orleans Saints really dangerous. Well, guys, that's all the time we have today. Really excited to get a chance to talk with you yet again. Super thankful for all of the listeners, all of the reviews, uh, and all you guys that have just tuned in every week uh, since I've taken over the podcast. It means a lot. I know how much you guys, you loyal listeners, really loved Andrew. Uh, and we're excited to have Andrew pop in every now and again to, to give some life updates and, and talk about the team. So I'm, I'm very grateful you guys have welcomed me uh, with open arms. If you want to continue to follow me and my work personally, you can head to my Twitter. It's at BTBoylan, at B-T-B-O-Y-L-A-N. Again, you can follow all of my Saints work with the Saints News Network. They're on SI.com at SI.com forward slash NFL forward slash saints we'll be talking to you guys uh, early next week recapping week number two as the saints look to move to two and oh 
uh, after Sunday's matchup in Charlotte, North Carolina, Bank of America Stadium at 12 Central against the Carolina Panthers. Well, guys, as always, find your peace, spread love, practice positivity, and we'll see you next time here on the Who Dat Discussion.